Welcome in everyone. Thank you again for clicking the button to listen to another episode of Under the Radar Fantasy. I am your host, Austin Bankhead. I am so happy to welcome in our returning guest, Frank Radin. Frank, how are you doing? Doing all right tonight, man. Doing all right. No complaints. I had a day off today, did some errands, played with the dogs, made some dinner, and now I'm uh, chilling, kind of going over our fantasy football stuff, having some good uh, good discussion. Looking forward to the pod. So this is episode three of the season. Even though it's considered season one, we had a couple bonus episodes uh, towards the end of 2020. Episode three, Trade Talks. So, Trade Talks and news that's happening in the NFL right now. A lot of people that are not getting re-signed right now. They're not being franchise tagged. A lot of free agency. The What I like to call cap casualties. It's ever-flowing at the moment. We still have some unhappy players on certain teams. Deshaun Watson, for instance, is still not with a new team yet, threatens a holdout. Key players like, for some, Allen Robinson's being franchise tagged. He's not happy with the franchise tag with the Bears. You got Chris Godwin that was franchise tagged with the Bucks. So that's, for some, they'll consider that fine. Uh, Aaron Jones, running back for Green Bay, didn't get franchise tagged. A lot of people already on the bubble with A.J. Dillon. Frank, you got anything to a little heads up for everybody before we begin some of our questions? Um, I am very, very invested in where Deshaun Watson and Aaron Jones go because uh, I have uh, my dynasty team right now is set up very much win now. Don't have a lot of picks, but I do have Deshaun Watson, Aaron Jones, and then I have uh, like a, I have like Tyreek Hill. Dalvin Cook and some other characters that I'm like, ooh, really, really hoping that that whole crew can come together and make a real killing. And so I'll be watching those free agencies very, very closely, hoping that Deshaun Watson in particular can make a splash. People use trade calculators and trade analyzers. They love to go on the web. They like to ask their friends. I like to ask coworkers, brothers, sisters, other friends in other leagues and see how they go about handling a specific trade. There are so many trade calculators and analyzers out there, courtesy of Fantasy Football Nerds is a huge one. There's Fantasy Football Calc, Roto Trade, Fantasy Pros. Um, and then you have those that specifically are um, – a adjusted for dynasty like dynasty process dynasty 101 those are some of the free ones and then you got the subscribing type like dynasty trade calc again you don't use it as the end all of end alls it's just a great tool so then you can go out there and make your trade in whatever league you may have and then try and get a baseline for the person you're trying to trade with so, Frank, is that one of the ways that you handle trades, or is it um, more of like a foundation for your personal evaluations using a trade calculator? Uh, I would say 
that it is a tool. It is a tool to either discover a baseline for how individual players can be valued, and it is a baseline for being able to communicate with whoever you're trying to trade with what the realistic value of their players and your players are. Does that make sense? Yeah, and sometimes you're going to get those guys that don't want to see really where you are on it and how you judge it. So you kind of have to use some of these trade calculators as your own. Kind of like you've done your homework. That's my homework. I'm not going to base it solely off of emotion and uh, try and be a little bit more open-minded and proactive, so to speak, I would guess. Ain't that right? Yeah, totally. Um, And I don't know when we're going to, at what point during this session, we're going to dive into um, strategies and how you utilize it. But I'm like, I'm a salesman by trade. That is my job. Uh, I sell for a living. And so that is kind of the similar way that I approach different trades, both in fantasy football and in just general things in my life. And so fantasy wise, having a trade calculator is very, very helpful, but as a tool, because it can both help you and harm you depending on how it is used. Yeah. Especially it, it can, it can uh, construe what may look like a decent trade and then you go and plug it in and then that, that calculator or one or two calculators you you type it into completely go against it but you yourself do the research and you think on it on your own but you may like it a little bit more and then you have a you have the plan for what your roster really looks like and what your team's supposed to look like for the next year or two so maybe then that's where you get a little bit of the I don't really agree with this. I kind of think that's a decent trade. And then that's what your job then after that is probably to try and um, see what that other person was thinking about it. Um, So many may not use the calculators and analyzers. And plus their needs a lot of times are more different than yours or mine. So for you, Frank, where do you find that, try and find that common ground? For me, I usually try to talk to the person instead of throwing random players and things like that out to them. How do you handle it? It does. It, for me, it depends on the scenario. If I'm trying to acquire a trade, like you're in my trade, I'm sure we'll go into that a little bit more uh, in a little bit. Uh, I needed a top tier quarterback and I was going after Deshaun Watson. You cannot acquire a player in a super flex dynasty league like Deshaun Watson by just cold opening with an offer, unless it's just a stupid offer. Uh, I have, I personally have never acquired a player of that caliber in that setting by just cold opening going with offers back and forth. There has to be a discussion to be had. And it also just gives you an opportunity to plead your case as to why an offer is good or not good. For example, uh, in a keeper league that I'm in, 
uh, I was able to talk to a homer. A homer, for those who don't know, is someone who is a huge fan of a team. Uh, in this case, it was a Saints fan. And I had Michael Thomas. I had shopped around a little bit on the market, and I had come to the conclusion no one is going to pay top dollar for Michael Thomas. This guy might because he's a huge Saints fan, and he just believes in his gut because he has hope that Michael Thomas is going to come back. So I knew that he was going to pay top dollar, and I was able to procure way more than I ever should have gotten for Michael Thomas from this guy. Had I plugged that into a trade calculator, screenshot it, and sent it over to him, he would have looked at it and gone, oh, no, this is a terrible deal. And then in other scenarios where I have said, hey, uh, this is actually a deal that's in your favor to another person where I'm trying to convince them, look, you're winning the trade to an opponent where I'm trying to get a guy that I really believe in that the rest of the league doesn't value as high. And I say, hey, look, I'll give you this guy and this guy. And according to this calculator, you're winning this trade. It's kind of a convincing piece that says, hey, I'm doing you a favor by offering you this trade. Please take me up on it. And so that's what I mean when I say that a trade calculator is a tool that if you don't necessarily always want to jump to that and then utilize that and treat that as gospel, it is a tool that you can use to your benefit or it can be your demise. You just need to know how to use it. Like in one of the, I think it was our first episode um, that we did together. uh, The getting, getting lippy episode before we hit record on that one. um, We had gone over our rankings for the 2021 too early redraft season. And one of the questions I believe you had asked was, hey, is Michael Thomas anywhere in your top 12? And I said, no. He wasn't in mind, I don't think. Right. So I think we get stuck as just the fantasy football managers, the players, the hobbyists that I have said numerous times before. I think we just get sucked into the fact that we are – 95% sold on situation. Until we see that situation go south, we want nothing to do with them anymore. So like you had said, and hey, say the next day a top-tier quarterback like Watson or somebody else goes to the Saints, even if it's for a year, where do you put Michael Thomas again? Guarantee you, just like the rest of the community out there that play, he is right back near the top 12 or maybe in it. I I totally believe that you use the time for buying low and selling high and vice versa because you know what you get in that said commodity, that player. And you have to rule out and use your use your brain. Sometimes it's common sense. Is this guy quarterback dependent or not? And a person of that caliber, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara even? No, they don't need a Drew Brees. If anything, I would even say that you could put even like a semi-mobile quarterback in there. Say in the draft, they go after a younger guy. I still think they'll, they'll perform. Maybe not 
number one in the NFL for wide receiver, number one or number two for running back, but you're still going to be happy. They're going to produce. That's the main thing out of that. Um, And like you said, with your trade, trying to find that special piece to acquire or to uh, add to a trade so you get that player that you really want or you have faith in, the trade doesn't always have to uh, have the bad players in it because that's what half the time you were talking about earlier, the cold the cold takes, the cold offers just get shot down. Sometimes it's key to make the trades on a player um, or players to try and fill voids on your own team, maybe build depth or stay equal or better um, that you think will either take a starting job in the next few weeks or maybe you're kind of planning for the future. Do you, do you trade um, to trade, or is there like a special science to your uh, trade strategy? What do you do when you try and, uh, besides talking to the individual and seeing where their head's at with it, do you uh, are you one for going for future, or are you more for trying to get the right now? That is a very, very good question. A lot of that has to do with what type of league we're talking about. So Dynasty, obviously, there's a long-term acquisition factor. Uh, the primary leagues that I play in are Keeper, and so that does play a pretty big role in kind of what I'm looking at. But let's just assume it's redraft for the sake of conversation. Uh, this is why I'm a big fan of playing with friends that you know because you know where people value everything. I was talking to a buddy about this the other day where you can't get anywhere in a conversation about trades unless you know what people value. So I am pretty new to Dynasty, and I am definitely in this stage more I, – I, I value proven players and proven commodities – more than I do picks. So in my current redraft team, I've got a pretty good setup. Uh, I don't really have any very good picks going into this coming season. Uh, I've got like a fourth and a bunch of fifths, which is basically trash moving forward. But uh, I'm, I'm I'm trying to trade around and try to get that done. But I'm more than comfortable trading away a future first for someone that I know is the worth a future first, as opposed to paying a future first for uh, a rookie that isn't proven that I'm hoping is going to do really well. Yeah. The decision that a lot of us managers have to make near the beginning or sometimes even halfway through the year is, am I during the draft? Am I drafting for a win now? When the next few years, do I think I'll be able to compete and hang on to my picks or, uh, am I going to try and go for the home run, sell off some picks? Because Di- Dynasty is one of the strategies or one of the leagues that offers the rookie picks. So in some forms, that can be strategic. It just all depends on what your route you want to go come the beginning of the draft to seeing how it's going halfway through the year. Are you going to be, are you still competitive? Things of that nature. Uh, is it starting to slip away from you? When is it time to, I like to call jump ship. Um, you try to search for those players that are not players of the managers that um, either had a key piece on their team who probably has a better record than you. One of their key players got hurt. They're out for a while. 
uh, hey, I see that uh, you're making a push in the um, in the regular league right now. You're pretty close to making playoffs. You're seated really high. I'm starting to slip away. Yeah, I'm switching over. You know, starting a conversation like that, I'm I'm trying to switch mindsets. Uh, it's I'm done for. You look like you need this. Let's try and work something out, and then you just then you just go for there from there. Um, but the that's how I handle it. Uh, I I like to try and do a two for one depending on what the player is and what I'm looking for. Again, it's, it's all based on situation. You as the manager have to know how your team is looking and know when it it's the time's up or am I still hanging in there by a thread? Do I have a chance and um, so it's, it's really a big bummer when, and I've had, like I said, in, um, I think our first episode, there's a lot of times where it start off strong and then you kind of ha- take a couple L's and then all of a sudden you're, you're in playoffs, you're fifth or sixth seed, like one of the last few seeds and, uh, you may win one or you don't win at all. And then you're like, dang it. I was playing this entire time for the middle of the road when I really either need to be near the top where I'm winning and I'm just knocking it out of the park, or I need to be near the bottom and try and make moves for the future and try again for next year. I've been stuck in the middle so many times and it's completely annoying because it's like, oh, I strike out when trying to figure out the time to sell specific players. And the times to, hey, I, I, can't, I, I can't be happy with the middle. I need to uh, start playing for the future, especially if I don't have the firepower to get past the one, two, or three uh, managers in the league that are just uh, tearing it apart. Um, so you said earlier, though, Frank, you, you like to use the picks for proven commodities as I kind of do too. Again, it just depends on the nature of how the teams, your teams, our teams are set up and how they're looking. Um, so are you really a fan of getting the picks and trades? If you were to trade said person, you give up a higher pick and you get a player and uh, one of their picks in return, but it might be a little bit lower. Are you a fine? Are you, are you fine with that? If it's for the right price or for the right piece? I am, everything for me is situational. So when we did our startup, for example, I traded away, uh, where was I trading from? I think I had the 109 and I traded away my 109 for the 212 and the 31, if I'm not mistaken, which turned into DJ Moore no, it was Amari Cooper and Josh Jacobs. I could go back and double check, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Which I think now, looking back, that was my first time doing that. It, it put me in a really good position to figure out kind of what I wanted at that time. But I was able to pick up two really good spots. The downside was the, my team the rest of the season really lacked a quarterback. So did I make a poor decision or a good decision? Uh, The rest of my draft kind of played out to the point where I don't honestly know. If I could go back and do it again, uh, I'm looking at doing 
the exact same thing right now. I have the 103 in another startup where I'm considering trading back or just starting where I'm at, maybe going for some rookie picks or trying to figure out what that might look like. Right. You're trying to make, you're trying to make the decision to uh, see if you can capitalize on someone else wanting to gain that asset where you find more of kind of like me rather let the field come to you and then make that call. Um, you could kind of just treat how our uh, league went with your uh, lower end in the quarterback department position, the, that field as a test, so to speak, because everywhere else on your team was pretty lights out. Yeah. So like, for example, in that same situation, it can really work out for you because that same draft, I ended up picking up James Robinson in like the 30th because the the actual backup running back uh, for Jacksonville got picked up several rounds before. And I it was a few weeks into the season before I realized that I had James Robinson on my taxi squad. I had no idea while he was blowing it up. I was like, man, I wonder who has James Robinson <laughs> And it was me. You and did? I, oh, yeah. No, that's how I got Tyreek. Huh. I traded Tyreek. Yeah, I traded, not Tyreek. I traded for Tyreek, James Robinson, and a pick of some kind. Uh, and that's how I got Tyreek Hill. Okay, well, now you need to explain or find that pick to figure out if that was considered a lights out trade or not. Because who are your other running backs? Again, let me, you talk for a second. I'll pull that up so I can let you know. Hang on. No, we'll just be in dead silence and I'll edit it out. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Let's do that. Oh, actually, I found it for you, Frank. Here we go. Let me pull it up real quick for you. Wow. Yeah, Frank, in the last round, round 30, you were picked four. That's when you got James Robinson. You flipped him, I believe, near the beginning of this. No, uh, yeah, probably near the beginning of the season, right before it started to pop off or something like that. Malcolm Brown. (laughs) Malcolm Brown, my God. James Robinson, you traded your first for 2021, your second for 2023. You got not just Tyreek Hill, you also got Cooper Cup. I think that was a pretty legit trade. So, what were your other running backs, though? My other running back, I had Aaron Jones, Dalvin Cook, Josh Jacobs. Uh, who else did I have there? I think that's, that's enough for a yeah, lot of Yeah, that people. pretty much fills in the <laughs> blanks there. I have LaMichael P. Ryan. He's on my, uh, my IR taxi as well. Right. But the, I'm a little top-heavy at running back, but that's okay for how I've been doing things. But, again, Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, Josh Jacobs, LaMichael P. Ryan, I'm okay with that being the core of my stuff at the time. But, yeah, I was pretty happy with how it turned out. And, again, that's one of those, like, okay, great. How many how many people are we going to be able to find? Like, Tyreek Hill 
the biggest thing there is that 2021 first round pick where I say, you know what? Yeah, no, I'm fine giving away uh, Robinson because a running backs don't really last that long in fantasy B uh, running backs that come out of nowhere. Like think of uh, Philip Lindsay of years past, just an absolute stud came out of nowhere Everyone on Keeper Leagues was keeping him. Dynasty people thought they got a steal. And right now he's yeah, he's valuable, but not anyone that you're starting week to week. No, That's the last two of, years. Yeah, the last two years he's kind of just been injury in, after injury. and Yeah. Now, if we're out. talking like – yeah, exactly. And if we're talking like uh, what's a good comp at wide receiver, let's say – uh, Justin Jefferson, where he, if you have a Justin Jefferson that kind of does the same thing, except he was a little bit higher ranked, obviously. A wide receiver like that is definitely going to be more valuable. A running back, I, I just, I'm not in the camp that believes that someone can just spring forth as a running back out of friggin' nowhere. Again, 30th round in a startup, rookies included, and I didn't even know that I had him. Yeah, I'm fine flipping that in a first for someone like Tyreek Hill. Uh, I'm more than happy about the the outcome of that trade. Uh, on top of the fact that you traded away a backup, backup to third on the depth chart for the Rams, yeah, I would have taken the risk too. Plus, yeah, being in the last round, none of us apparently did our homework. We barely even knew who he was, and I believe he was undrafted. So that's another reason to flip somebody. He has no draft capital. Yeah. What I've heard in a lot of other pods is, hey, this is great. He's performing for you. Uh, they still had their other two running backs. I believe it was Raquel Armstead and the Divine Ozigbo on their roster. Yeah, Armstead. Armstead was the one that me and one of the other guys was bickering about. Like, oh, I can't believe you took the backup. Because at the time, I believe that it was uh, – st- yeah, because – Fournette still had his we job. Drafting Fournette was still, yeah, Fournette was still there. We were kind of fighting over who was going to get Fournette's backup in case he left. And Armstead was the one that we were all fighting over. And then James Robinson was just a name on the board. Yeah, in the end, you came out on top big time because now you see that we're in the offseason and they came out of the time of this recording the Jacksonville Jaguars and their new personnel came out and said we need to get more running backs in the running back room uh Raquel Armstead I believe I believe Raquel Armstead didn't even play all year because of COVID he just could not get back from the the vid (laughs) the COVID and uh the Rona could not come back from it and it affects people differently so there's a lot of uncertainty for him which is kind of one of those things that you can also take away from Again, this is a strategy. It's not always proven. No, no trading strategy, and that's and that's what we're talking about today. Really, is no trading strategy is exact. I have cold opened trade offers that have just gotten accepted without any communication at all, and they've won me seasons before. And then I have gone through conversations with absolute numbskulls for hours that they just say, "No, I'm not going to do that." The re the reason why we normally recommend what works for us regularly is you kind of got to play to your strengths uh, as a negotiator. For example, 
I, and this is kind of a weird example. Uh, I worked at T-Mobile for a while. I was in sales and I went to another store and there was a fella that was borderline, not even borderline, just straight up belligerent with customers, which is not the way that you want to do sales ever, that you just want to be belligerent with them. But it worked for him. I watched this dude bully two guys in suits that were bickering about an Apple Watch price, and he said to them to their face, why are you even arguing about the price? You're eating ice cream in Armani suits at 2 in the afternoon on a Thursday by the damn watch. And they caved and they bought it. Like, I would never be able to get away with that as a salesperson, and that was just the way that he negotiates, and he was really good with that. I am much more of a conversational guy where I try to look at, hey, Austin, where do you have needs? How can I fill them? And how can you fulfill my needs so that we can come together and make a trade work that's beneficial for both of us, especially when you're talking about bigger players? Uh, Like in our case, in our trade, we were able to look at, hey, we can come to something here that's going to make both of us better moving forward. As opposed to just bulldozing people and saying, hey, you need to accept this trade. Right. And do you consider that one of the worst traits that you see with people? They just love to look like they want to overpower and things like that. And uh, so do you think like in terms of, again, trading with another person when the other person wants to um, downplay the situation or try and make their players look super hyped up or seem to think that your players are inferior. Do you consider that like a bad trait? Uh, It can be like, I've got a buddy that I play fantasy with in another keeper league. His big move is always like a five for one. Like he would send me like three or four or five players for one super stud, like all of the numbers together will match up for one stud player. And that's just not how it works. Like if somebody is offering you a hot pile, like a lot of stuff, but they're asking you for one individual piece, really, really take a look and remember that your stud is raking up all of those points off of one individual roster spot. Do not get overwhelmed by a bunch of things for one person. And that's kind of, I would say that's probably one of the things that I would say to someone that's starting out in fantasy. Don't let someone just overpay, or not overpay, but overwhelm you with players for a stud. That's that's one of the first things that I learned my very first season was people just sending me offers of like five people for one guy. And at the time, I didn't know who Le'Veon Bell was, and that's back when Le'Veon Bell was the 101. And I was like, okay, great, I'll do this. And luckily I had people that were like, no, 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 don't, don't do that. <laughs> that's at least helpful that you had people in your league that were looking out for you because yeah. I've seen a couple piles of trades that they were going back and forth, and um, then it just took one time for the person to be kidding around and actually add an expensive piece and agree to a trade and then it got accepted. And then he tried to whine to the commissioner about change it back, change it back. We were just messing around. And he's like, all trades are final. Um, so what was one of the worst traits that you have 
when doing trades that you catch yourself maybe doing from time to time? Oh, things that I do that are probably negative. Is that what you're asking? Right, right. Ooh. I... I make the mistake of everyone thinking that players are valued the same way as I value them. So I'm one of those people where if you're looking at my team, whether it's redraft or keeper or dynasty, I do not deem any of my players off limits. Not everybody's like that. If they have Patrick Mahomes and dynasty, there's they won't even listen to a discussion. I will field any discussion for any player that I have, no matter what. Uh, but other people don't have that same mentality about players. And so the first thing that I usually neglect to do that gets me in trouble is assume that everyone's kind of on the same page with where you value it. The best thing you can do is figure out how somebody values players in Dynasty, how they value picks and future rookie picks, um, and how they structure their team. Because there's no way, if you've got a zero RB, if you've got a, a zero running back team that you're trying to trade with, and you're trying to trade them a running back for like a high-end wide receiver and a quarterback, that's never going to happen. They're quickly going to realize after the trade, after the trade, Oh no, I can't I can't replace that quarterback, even if it's Drew Locke. Like they'll give away Drew Locke. And you're like, yeah, I'm not excited about Drew Locke, but I just robbed this guy and I have him just in case. Like those are the types of things that you can utilize and figure out where people value certain things. Because then you can kind of get a metric of, okay, great, this is how you value this person. So I know what to offer to get that type of player from you. Right, and speaking of doing the Superflex trading with a quarterback involved, a lot of people would say that getting a quarterback in return uh, would probably boost someone's value up by twice. So it's almost like offering two decent running back twos for that elite running back one kind of aspect. But in Superflex, if you added a quarterback, it and it's, Again, calculators and everything like that are different. Uh, we just had an experience with that just a few minutes ago before we hit record. Someone wanted your Dalvin Cook. What they offered? What they offer again? Oh, I was very, I was quite blown away. And we talked about this a little bit before we started. Uh, they had offered previously in the season. I was interested in Cam Newton because my quarterback situation was pretty bleak. And they had reached back out to me after I put Cam Newton or after I had put Dalvin Cook on the trading block. They had said, Hey, what would you think of me sending you Antonio Gibson and Cam Newton for Dalvin Cook? My initial response was to laugh at them and say, No, absolutely not. I am not giving away Dalvin Cook for a quarterback that might not have a starting job next year or play ever again. And Antonio Gibson who I'm f very, very fond of. Obviously, everybody is right now, especially in Dynasty. A uh, lot of upside there, but definitely not you know, proven Dalvin Cook-level production. And then we made the mistake of punching it into a trade calculator, and the trade calculator that we both used said that the Antonio Gibson-Cam Newton side of the trade would win the trade. And I was like, there's no way. 
I'm not, I, I'm not doing that. And I feel like this is one of those instances where we can say, yeah, a, a trade calculator is a good tool, but it's not gospel. Yeah, definitely not gospel, especially with, like you just said, the uh, assumption that Newton won't even have a job in 2021. So his uncertainty is is very high, and we know what Gibson probably can be, but we also know what his situation is like there in Washington. So it's it's a lot of risk with that package and the fact that yes we both have the same trade calculator app and we both were equally blown away by how the package was valued valued higher than a proven commodity even a person that he has a contract he's a little older but he gets the work he's one of the workhorses in the nfl yes he does have an injury history but when he's able to play he is the guy that's another thing you have to keep in mind too is what am I gaining when I give up someone that I don't even have to bat an eye about when it comes to setting my roster every week. Let's play it. Let's play a trade game real fast, just to kind of show what the difference of how one person can value a player on either side of the trade. Austin, let's say you have Dalvin cook. Okay. And I and I have the 101. Well, hello, beautiful. And you really want the 101 and Cook's on the table. Would you take the 101 for Cook straight up, or would you want the 101 plus? Depending on the way that my roster would be set up, I honestly am not a huge fan of the 101. But in terms of this argument, I will... In this argument, we're assuming it's right, Trevor I'll, Lawrence. I'll, I'll push... I'll push the my strategy aside to a little bit. Uh, if it's the 101 would have to be uh, if I was really high on Lawrence, which in terms of fantasy I'm not. So I'll give that disclaimer first. Okay. But if I was a homer for the 101 and knowing it was Lawrence and I needed the quarterback help, um, it would need to be Lawrence and something else. Um. Let's say you have someone like a uh, Russell Wilson or a – let's say you have a really good starter at your uh, your quarterback. Your quarterback two situation is a little soft, and you can sacrifice Dalvin Cook pretty, pretty easily without selling off the farm. Like you've got decent running backs to back you up. You're trying to give away – Dalvin Cook specifically to get quarterback help. Do you value the one one to the point where you can give up a commodity? Like, and this is kind of where I'm going, where you're kind of like me. You're obviously valuing Dalvin Cook's in NFL experience, a proven commodity over the pick. So what what would it take for you to give away Dalvin Cook for the one oh one and the one the one oh one and depending on if my running backs were still fine after Cook and they were like a couple RB twos, uh but let's say You got Aaron Jones, Josh Jacobs, let's say. Yeah, like you have your setup. The one oh one and yeah. it would probably have to be since I think uh, a wide receiver two ish or three, okay. but it can't be a scrub three. So someone that is with a bit of an upside piece, um, not quite on the bubble, 
But because there's a lot of risk with a person that's in free agency that's on a bubble, kind of like Curtis Samuel, for instance. Some would view him as a wide receiver three. I don't think that'd be enough. Um, So I would push like a wide receiver two kind of person, two, three. Uh, Situational would be probably like a Deontay Johnson if we're talking in terms of wide receiver, maybe in running back term. Don't talk to me about uh, I know. Johnson. We that was a, into that that was a great episode. We have so many <laughs> views or listens. It's great. <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> the running back would probably have to be... Oh, well, if I believed in Ronald Jones, which I don't, who's a running yeah. back three, that could be a running back one if the rest of the... You know, offseason panned out since he's still with the Bucks. Fournette's not re-signed, and he's fighting with the now one-year-in uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, who barely played last year. It's his yeah. job to lose. I would probably do that. Okay. But again, it just like if you if you use a little bit of your roster in this argument, then that's what I would have to see. But I don't know if that other other side of the coin has those type of players right so let's say in this instance you have dalvin cook you're asking for the 101 a curtis samuel and ronald jones you would take that if you were the dalvin cook owner in this scenario probably would because the rest yeah i probably would because the rest of my farm is set the starters are set um okay yeah all right well let's do this Let's flip it around. Would you now? Let's say you're on the other side of the coin. Would you trade away the 101, Ronald Jones, and Curtis Samuel? For uh, I would have to see what my quarterbacks were. Honestly, how many I had. <laughs> it's a it's a fair <laughs> okay. argument. Let's say it's the same scenario. Same scenario. You're just a little bit weaker at running back and a little. Uh, and you're the same situation at quarterback. You got an okay quarterback one. Uh, you're you pray every week over your quarterback two in Superflex. <laughs> do I just have that one pick, or do I have other firsts? Uh, that's your one and only first. You got a couple of seconds, mid seconds, let's say. Ouch. Then I can't because I I need a stable quarterback second one yeah. at least. I can start yeah. every week. Now, now, if I had a second, another first in there, so say for me personally, if now if I had a the one hundred and one and like a one hundred and four or one hundred and five in terms of super flex, I think I could get away with selling the one hundred and one to get Dalvin along with Curtis Samuel and, and Ronald Jones in there. I probably would. And if I had a bunch of seconds, then I would probably have to try and use the seconds to find the. Uh, Landing spot dependent running backs. The 105 would definitely be one of the mobile quarterbacks like Justin Fields or Trey Lance. Yeah. Last resort, Mac Jones. Um, I just personally would rather have a mobile quarterback in fantasy. They may be great for the NFL, but the like the Trevor Lawrence's and the Mac Joneses, but you get your extra points in the bread and butter every week if you got a mobile quarterback that can run it in you know so that's just me if i had that second first rounder i would definitely do the trade then but if that's my only first i can't yeah 
here's why I do the table turning on you is because when you send over a trade, you do have to kind of go through that mentality because in your case, if you had traded, if you had sent that offer, seeing what the other person had for picks and seeing their roster, you would know that they're probably not going to go for it and say, okay, well, this is their only first round pick. This is their only hope at replacing their need at quarterback. They're going to want a quarterback in return. And so that's one of the strategies going into trade offers is being able to get into the head of, okay, if it were me on the other end, what would I need to hear? What would I need to know? What would I need to see to make this trade acceptable? Especially in Dynasty where there's a certain level of permanence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that totally makes sense too. And that's more of a process move and strategy too, as you will. We uh, finished off our trade a couple months ago, a month month ago, uh, with the Deshaun Watson move, and uh, I knew that you needed the help. I needed the help at wide receiver. You had the wide receivers to give. I ran most of my season last year with Allen Robinson, Devontae Parker, so very thin with key plugs for the wide receiver position. You thankfully agreed to the terms of giving me a quarterback return with Tua, Cooper Cup, and Kenny G for my Watson. And I believe I gave up uh, a tight end for you, uh, running back 2-3 with Gus Edwards. Russell Gage was the other piece, just a flyer wide receiver 3-4. Gage was in there, yes. Yeah, that was the heart of the trade, and it just shows that when – you can communicate with people and be proactive, open-minded, and even you know, floored with how we evaluate our players and put each other in each other's shoes with our teams. You know, we can still make it work. So, thank you, boss man, for coming on for another recording. Keep in touch for the next one. I'm sure you're gonna want to be a part of it. You practically are a co-host. Just so you know, because you're on pretty much every time, and I appreciate it. So, oh, you make me blush. Hey, and guess what? We hit a milestone. Uh, both of my dogs are up here looking at me and being very, very sweet, and they haven't barked one time the whole time that we were on the podcast. So you don't have to edit them out this time. That's quite the accomplishment. That is, woo! That is special. On top of the fact that. Uh, I didn't have a lot of kids running up and down the stairs screaming in my ear either. So that's also a great, uh, great thing to hang our hats on. Well, thank you, Frank, for joining me again. I'll catch you later, bud. Yeah. All right, man. We'll talk soon. Thanks again for everyone for listening. This is Austin Bankhead with Under the Radar Fantasy. I'll catch you in the next episode.